0: Hey, welcome to America This Week from the Harris Poll. This is John Gerzma and...
1: Libby Rodney. How you doing, John?
0: <laughs> I'm great, Libby. <laughs> it's Friday. So happy, right?
1: Thank goodness it's Friday. These summer Fridays, man, they couldn't come faster.
0: It, I know, right? It's We're working our way right into the, the heat of the summer. But I'm excited about today. We've got some really great data to share. If, um, if anybody's new to our program, Libby and I are pollsters... Slash marketers, slash sort of folks that are just really interested in society and culture. And what we've been doing now for 121 weeks is tracking COVID. It began as COVID and now it's really a broader look at uh, society every week. And so we uh, are going to talk about that for the next half hour. And we've got some really interesting new data to share. Uh, Just a quick show note we definitely welcome uh, polling ideas. So If you've got some things that you'd like for us to cover, drop us a note on LinkedIn or uh, on Twitter at uh, John Gerzma or Libby Rodney. And if you like our banter, please leave us a review. So, (laughs) Libby, we've got a a really good theme for the show this week, which is called Bracing for Bears. How would you intuit that?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, we're all... um... Americans are are ready for a downturn, um, and we're looking at how we're spending and and what the economic impacts of that will be. So, really fascinating data this week.
0: I think so. We're going to take this in sort of four chapters. This theme of bracing for bears. We'll kind of start off with looking at at what Americans are seeing in this in this bear that may be about ready to hibernate, at least in terms of the wallet. But we'll look at the American mindset. Then you're going to kind of get in and talk a little bit about how Americans are uh, trimming the fat, as it were, when it comes to their spending. And you also have a really great look as our sort of resident crypto expert on how that is uh, impacting Americans' attitudes toward the alt assets. And then we'll finish up on um, sort of how they look at the long term uh, future uh, as it relates to all this. So let's kind of get into the numbers. I mean, I thought, Libby, what was interesting first is that clearly you know the stock market is right now part of the american pop culture right people are really focused on it over half of americans say they follow the market and even 20 percent of them say they follow it very closely and when you look at the largest number you have almost six and ten say that they are aware of what's going on that the markets aren't doing well um, and those numbers really tick up when you get to folks that are getting closer to retirement where you're talking, uh, for example, boomers now—that's almost seven and ten uh, of baby boomers being very aware of what's going on. So what we did, though, is we asked a couple of interesting, uh, we think, questions about this. We we said, you know, when do you think this sort of uh, economic downturn or this so-called bear market will be over? And half, fifty-two uh, percent of Americans this week said that they actually think it's going to last a year or more. And a quarter of them say um, a few months, and just only eight percent say a few weeks. So it feels like Libby that Americans are sort of settling in and sort of thinking that this is transitory. Uh, what do you kind of make of this data?
1: Yeah, well, it's really interesting. I mean, just thinking about what a recession is is two um, consecutive economic um, declines, right? Two quarterly declines. So, mm-hmm. you know, half of Americans are right. If, if <laughs> on that, on like what a what the actual recession is, the others who are like it's a few months or a few weeks, that's not really going to be a recession. But I think the thing is, we've been kind of prepping for this for a really long time. Like, when is a recession going to hit? um and you know it, the the fundamentals of a recession uh, Jamie Dimon said are it just happens it's something that happens every 7 years but we've been it hasn't happened in 7 years it's it's been uh, around 13 years and so this this idea that we're kind of prepping for it actually might create a softer landing in our expectations of of what that looks like
0: Yeah that's super interesting I mean, I think the data supports it too that we see that you know Two thirds, sixty-four percent, say that these recent market declines suggest a recession is imminent. And I think it's important, kind of as you point out, that economists have not yet formally said we're we're in that recession. But consumers, Americans, are sort of saying, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's coming. It's just here on the horizon. So I really like your word prepper. Um, and I think it's interesting when you go a little bit deeper on this. Nearly the same number, at sixty-two percent, are very much concerned that these recent declines are going to negatively impact their current financial situation. So you know we've been in this period of of just this go-go consumer spending and the consumer was propping up the economy, even when other other parts of of our economy were really struggling. but you're starting to see it maybe a different tone in uh, what we're seeing in the data. And again, the same sort of thing is happening, Libby, that if you're closer to retirement, obviously, know, that is a significant issue. So we see 65% of those retiring soon are really worried. And a quarter of of those retirees, intending retirees, seeing that they're very worried. And kind of what's behind that, and Libby, I'd love your thought on this, is that, you know, you kind of see, as we look at this data, is that they don't really sense to have a backup plan. And so those people that are worried about the recent market declines, again, 62%, say they're worried because their investments really were their backup or are their backup. And if an emergency emergency was to recur, that you know nearly one in five um, say their investments are their safety net if they were to lose their job. And again, the same thing, boomers are especially worried at 38%. Libby, what do you think about that? Is that sort of uh, just a, a canary in the coal mine or is this something really significant?
1: I mean I think it's really significant when you think about the implications to consumer psychology right on this they're saying hey we were you're were betting on the stock market we were told to do that we've almost been in the past like 5 years or especially even in the the Trump administration kind of told like hey if if the stock market's doing well we're all doing well so now if the stock market's declining and people don't have backup plans there's just um, a sort of Uh, insecurity that's, that's happening in a sort of fragility that could happen. And that fragility and insecurity, whether it's financial, mental health, all of that kind of combining um, is something to really watch for and think about how do you then boost people's, how do you help them kind of navigate this as they, if, if the market is volatile and we do go through some sort of recessionary period, um, how can you kind of be there and, and support, people as they maybe don't have a backup plan, or they could start getting a backup plan, plan sooner than later.
0: I think that's right. And I think also that Americans have been so conditioned, as you say, to the markets continuing to go up, right? It's We're now mm-hmm. almost 15 years past the last sort of great sort of correction um, with the housing bubble. But um, with that, you know, this sort of sense that you're, that your investments are your investments, and they're going to just sort of say, stolid, if not, if not grow, seems to be a significant shock to people, especially retirees. So I, I know that, you know, in part of our second chapter of this story is how American consumers are, are reacting. There seems to be a sense, Libby, right, that that there's a, a maybe a, a downturn a little bit in terms of spending?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, I mean, I think what's really interesting is... Um, we're starting to see people already kind of trim the fat, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Americans are kind of, you know, cutting back on um, actually the ideas of more experiences and, and going and really, you know, spending on necessities. So three in five Americans at 61% say they're planning on cutting back on spending in general because of recent stock market declines. Again, in their mindset, stock at, uh, stock market declines might mean, imminent recession. Um, this is especially true with Gen X and women. And then they're going to adjust, nearly half say they're going to adjust their 2022 financial plans, um, which includes people are retiring soon at 58%. And nearly two in five, 38%, are going to pick up extra hours or gig work. And so John, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you there, you know, as they're cutting back spending, but also maybe picking up new jobs like we're living in a, a summer where we don't have lifeguards at beaches and we have closed pools so do you think this is going to um fill those those job gaps and then if so is it sustainable that Americans are just picking up multiple jobs again how do you how are you thinking about that
0: well libby first of all i don't know about you but i I think that lifeguard job sounds pretty good right now, (laughs) Uh, particularly with the week we've had. Uh, We'll we'll leave that off. We'll leave that off this show. Um, Listen, no, you know, I think you got to first look at the fact that the labor market stays strong. It's still very, very robust, right? The unemployment rate is at 3.6%. You've got two workers for every job out there. And do have, however, like these signs on the horizon, right? You know, there was an interesting story uh, this morning I read in the Wall Street Journal about how employers um, from lots of different industries, right? From Coinbase to Peloton to Uber have both started to rescind offers or
1: Mm -hmm. they've warned
0: that they're gonna dial back their hiring plans. And typically that tends to be sort of an implicit warning that the business outlook is souring from their perspective. And I think maybe Libby, the same goes for workers Except, you know, this data that you just shared is part of maybe a twofold warning. You know, on one hand, there's definitely um, this sort of sense of consumer spending um, that's starting to decline, and uh, the consumer confidence index board has supported that. That that survey that we look at continues to dip as it did again in May. And what was interesting, I thought this month, is that they found that not only were lots of objects down, you know, things that you could buy like cars, homes, appliances, those that all cooled, but they also found that services were starting to cool and that mm. was not the situation right before we were saying, uh, yeah. services were replacing them. But I think, you know, what, what goes inter- into that too, is I think there's a sense of, of perhaps, um, I'd love your take on this, that, that Americans, the second part of this, they're getting more anxious about their jobs, you know? Yeah. And I think- that could be really interesting and what i'm really curious about it is we've had a year of revenge spending we've had a year Mm -hmm. of employee as boss and now both of those positions might be sort of softening and i'm just Mm -hmm. curious you know to see if what do you think maybe employers start stressing more return to work orders do you think they dial back benefits i mean do they yeah I'm
1: so, I'm so curious to watch this. Well, there's a couple of things that the thing that I was thinking about last night, um, as we do, you know, we think about these things right before we go to bed. I was like, (laughs) what is going to change this, this recession that we might go into versus the 2008 recession that we, a lot of us lived through. Right. And that was like, that was the, the carpet was being pulled out under us and it happened so fast. Like all of Mm. a sudden we were just in the red, Um, And in this case, again, because we're going into the slow launching pad of like understanding that it might be coming, I wonder if Americans will brace themselves more for it and that they'll still be able to have some sort of power over employers by deciding that they're going to pick up different kinds of jobs or or you know figure out their financial security before they get to the entire breaking point where then they're forced to take something that they don't want. Um, I recently caught um, Yelp recently. The CEO of Yelp decided to go entirely remote after 85% of its workforce said that they would rather work remote than hmm. um, hybrid or return to the office. And he said that, I think he said something like, Remote work is its own kind of hellscape, or, or, or not remote work, but hybrid work. And so <laughs> right. he, it's kind of interesting to watch there. I mean, that's just something that we're overall fascinated by, of who's going to go return to the office? What does that look like fundamentally? Does hybrid even work? Um, so Yelp would say no, and they're going remote. And we know a lot of employees continue to go want to go remote. So it's it it will be interesting to see if we go into this recession. To your point, like. From the talent war point of view, how um, how much um, autonomy can and demand can em- employees and talent really hold onto? And I I think that will just be like a, a fascinating social movement actually to watch uh, unfold.
0: Let's do some de- deeper digging into that because I think we've got so much trended data now out of COVID on these on Absolutely. The hybrid order. It'd be really interesting to go further into that. I love that thesis.
1: Yeah. And then um, just in terms of, you know, when you think about what Americans are spending on, they're spending on what we call the two G's. Um, So groceries (laughs) and gas, they're not going to, they're not cutting back on their groceries. They're not cutting back on their gas. These are things that are just, you know, the necessities. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are deciding to you know, again, if they're gonna maybe if we go into something and they're trying to cushion their blow, they're already starting to think about cutting back on traveling, cutting back on in-person concerts, cutting back on non-essential purchases like hobbies and and things. So maybe they had some of their YOLO moments in the summer and got to go to Coachella, etc. But are <laughs> are starting to think about okay, well, what does the fall look like? Um, and we already see that Americans are considering cutting back on um, back-to-school shopping at 50%. Fall and winter travel at sixty three percent, and already fifty nine percent about holiday gifts. So, John, what do you, what do you think about that? Like, how should how should people be thinking about the next six months as they talk to consumers? You know.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I was um was noting that um, the Cannes Advertising Festival wrapped up uh, mm-hmm. today, and there was a real interesting gold line. Well, actually, I'll put it into the show notes. But um, a gold lion went to to We Capital, which is a, a bank out of um, out of Mexico City, um, for a program called Data Tienda, and Ooh. I thought this was just a really interesting example of a brand trying to sort of deliver, uh, you know, experiences, but also actual real relief uh, to customers in a meaningful way. And their insight was was quite compelling. They found that. And this is staggering Libby, but 83% of Mexican women have no credit history. Mm. And you know why it's because they paradoxically have received lots of loans, but they've done it with small businesses, right? So the practice of, 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 you know, paying on credit, um, is been built up over decades for many of these women, but they're basically invisible to the financial system. And so thus, mm-hmm. you know, loan applications are rejected. There's no way to start a business. And so this program, Data Tienda, which basically means mom and pop data, um, mm-hmm. is basically aggregated. They have taken and aggregated through WhatsApp, uh, WhatsApp bots, these tiny little um, sort of microtransactions and all this credit history. And it's amazing. They now... Have built a a new more um accurate credit score out of mm. out of this data, and so far that's enabled like almost uh twenty three percent of the women who are part of the program have received microcredit from banks on the platform so I, I don't know I thought that was just a really interesting uh, yeah insight for today's times right
1: yeah, it's like what are the actual pressure relievers that you can bring to to the market as people might um Go through these, these um, these recessionary periods. Like, how can you relieve pressure from people's lives? You know, what's um, interesting
0: about that, it's super you interesting. That? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember, like, whatever that was during the the financial crisis? There was that Hyundai: if you lose your job, you can return the car program. Yeah. You know that. I mean, that that was amazing.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's and it's also um the important thing about that I think to your point is like first mover advantage. Like, you don't mm. want to be a copycat in that. You want to go out there with a really generous offer from the beginning. So in the lens of generosity, like, what can you be doing now as people are preparing for this soft landing? And hopefully it's not a too long of a landing, um, but maybe if we all kind of come together and think of those things, uh, we can get through this in, in a much more mild way than we did in mm. 2008.
0: That's interesting. Well, speaking of soft landings, let's talk about our third Mm -hmm. story. (laughs) This is something that I think there's a lot of crypto owners out there that would love to see a a soft landing or a a rise again. But, um, you know, one of the things that we reported on this week through the Harris poll um, was looking at um, what is happening um, with, you know, crypto in terms of of people's overall confidence. And um, one of the things we found is that, you know, one in five Americans, nearly a, a fifth, Uh, say that they report uh, that they invest in cryptocurrencies and NFTs, but they're also significantly concerned about that because of the recent declines. Um, But it's significant, right? With a quarter of them already investing a little or even a lot in crypto. um, And we've talked about this previously on the program, right? They tend to skew Gen Z, millennial, but they also um, skew BIPOC. Really interestingly, um, people of color have have used uh, cryptos to route around the traditional biases uh, in the financial system. Uh, And as a result, you know, there's a lot of concern among these audiences. So those numbers go up about 10 to 12 points uh, among uh, both millennials, uh, Gen Z and also uh, black Americans and Hispanic Americans. Um, But I thought what was interesting inside this is that half of those Uh, Of those crypto investors, 54% say that they will be holding on to their investments with only 22% uh, planning to sell them off uh, with another quarter are not sure what they're going to do. I mean, Libby, what do you make of that, that there seems to be a sort of a devout desire to weather the storm?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think the media perspective tends to be like, oh, look at crypto, you know, it's been deflated, get out, you're... um... You, you don't get it if you're still in it, um, but it's actually like if you start looking into the data of who's exited and entered crypto and why the the numbers have changed and fluctuated so much, um, I was listening to something really fascinating about that. And um, this person's point of view was that um, it's really the institutional investors. So once Fidelity's, oh. once all these people start getting in and piling in all this money, um, then they started to see it as a sort of. A risky asset, and because they are all preparing for a recession as well, they're going to get out out of the alternative currencies. But they own the game, right? They own the system. So the idea that they can just kind of move in and out of markets um, as a system makes a lot of sense. So they they exited the alternative currency, but for people who are trying to build that next generational wealth, they see this as like their opportunity for what's coming next and it you know it's tied into how they see the potential for the future of web 3 and the next unfolding hmm. so the idea that they own like a little asset of something and they want to hold on to it because they believe that it could be something big um, actually makes a lot of sense to me uh, it's like a bet on the future and yeah they could sell it but they have a, a longer term potential for holding on to it
0: that's really interesting what you're saying. So you're you're kind of saying that they don't see it as an alternative investment, right? The way that the yeah. institutions do.
1: Yeah, the 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 institutions see it as kind of like, hey, you know, the same way in which they would do other alternative investments like REITs or whatnot. They're like, here's a way to think about that. Now they're divesting out of that because, uh, uh you know, big institutions are and shifting everything really towards safe, safe environments, safety, they don't want to lose anything. Um, but individual investors, crypto investors are much more likely to say, well, I'm going to take a stake in the future. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you think about it, if you lose a certain amount of money, and it's a small amount of money, but it could, you know, triple, quadruple, um, it could be two, 200 times 300 times. That's kind of what the, those crypto community is thinking about the long-term now, what crypto you're, you know, we're not investors. We're not here for this speculative nature of it, but the utility of crypto, it's important to understand and to kind of put your headset around, like what's that going to look like in the next 10 years. Um, and so it makes sense to me that some people are trying to hold on to that and figure that out.
0: You, you know, what supports that too, lastly, is that six mm-hmm. and 10 of, of these, um, current crypto investors believe that they would make an overall profit if they sold them today, which I thought, again, was was interesting. So a lot of them, it sounds like they've been in it for the long haul, right? That they've, yeah. they've built some profit on top of it. And again, those numbers skew uh, more strongly. Of those 60%, um, compared to 60%, rather, 72% of Black American crypto owners said they would profit, uh, 57% of Hispanic Um, Americans, So you kind of see that same dynamic.
1: Yeah. And because they got into crypto early, you know, I mean, I think that's like some of the media narrative around this is like, um, well, Oh, you know, they're being taken advantage of. They don't understand that it's a super risky asset. Um, and you see this really up and down and deflation of the, the crypto market. However, there's a lot of people in those communities who've gotten into the crypto world quite early. And so they've still made a profit in terms of where they entered. So thinking about entry points is kind of an important piece of that. And mm. that's why we were interested in pulling that. But, you know, anyone who's listening to to this conversation has more questions or ideas and wants to understand more of this, like, please let us know. Cause we're, we're happy to continue to dive into it.
0: Absolutely. So let's finish up with a little bit of optimism. Is that possible?
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I think, I think that the point of, you know, this soft landing is that there's Americans expect some short-term turbulence, but they have long-term optimism overall. So over the next year, one in five Americans think their financial situation will be worse. So that's, you know, uh, a decent amount. But 50% of Americans think their outlook over the next five years will put them in a better financial situation. And 57% say it will be better in 10 years. So the idea in at least the next decade is a majority of Americans say their financial outlook will be better. Um, And it two-thirds of Americans rate their financial situation as very or somewhat good. Um, Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, uh, 38% rate their financial situation as poor. Uh, I think it's interesting to think about who's in good financial standing. Tends to be boomers and millennials, um, followed by Gen Z and Gen Xers. Um, But when you look at the very poor, um, you see it to be Gen Z. 17% are in this kind of very... Poor uh, bucket compared to you know um, millennials at 13%, and that's probably because they're building up their their generational wealth uh, there th- at the beginning. But John, you know, I wanted to ask you, <laughs> unbridled optimism historically has been you know our best international airport uh, export as Americans. <laughs> so you know, are we just trying to breathe through this idea of the recession, um, or do you think this op- long term optimism is going to last?
0: You know what I think is happening. This is just my my take on on the data this week is I think Americans have actually already priced in this potential recession mm. and again, remember economists tell us we're not in it yet, but you know our data has basically uh said that two thirds think we're in it, and half of Americans right now think that this bear market's gonna last for a year or more, right. So yeah. it feels like like you know, Americans are already digging in and that's kind of what this whole conversation has been about, right? With the data that they're cutting back on spending, they might be uh, taking um, their jobs a little bit more seriously. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing, right? That we may be entering this next phase. We clearly are trying to move past COVID uh, and most of Americans have despite uh, the persistent uh, numbers that continue to tick. But we kind of had that, that moving past moment. We've had this going past the roaring twenties mindset. Now I think mm-hmm. is this next thing. And now I think maybe in a strange way, maybe just maybe, I don't know what you think Libby is that we're taking perhaps a little bit of, um, abject pleasure and worrying about something normal, which is just a typical economic downturn rather than a pandemic. Mm. You know, it's like, feels like it's something that is somewhat familiar. Uh, yeah, you know it's something more cyclical than than what we've been dealing with over the last two and a half years.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting because you know when you were talking, it reminded me of well, when we were in the beginning of the pandemic, we also tightened our belts and so we weren't spending money, and so we were, we also got really used to feeling what that looks like. Like that's why yeah. Americans started exactly. saving so much because we and we we know what a life looks like now that's pleasurable, but also not full of spending. Um, and so maybe that's also why you see groceries up because people are cooking at home again and they're like, I don't really need this restaurant, especially with skimflation service, <laughs> and et cetera.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: yeah. but I think, I think you're right on that. Like we're, we're just getting into a more agile mindset of the ability to embrace things, um, and, and go out there and then kind of tighten back. And maybe it's just, maybe we're just getting, more used to these, these cycles and they're, they're feeling kind of normal to us.
0: Well, I, I'll leave it with this last, last thought on this, which is, um, we, what you said at the beginning, which I held on to, which is, I think their optimism is in their prepping, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether it's like, I'm going to cook more at home. i like, I'm, I know how to do this now. Like I've learned yeah. this, I got, I got this. Yeah. And so the curbing spending, you know, maybe digging into work, maybe is sort of the the stimulus for this longer term optimism and that's that's the data that i thought was most interesting here is that you know 50% of americans think the outlook in the next 5 years is going to put them in a better financial situation and 57% say in a better in 10 years as you said so you know it's like yeah a little bit of turbulence is okay but you know long term i feel pretty good about where things are going that's that's not bad for a friday right
1: that's not bad, and and also um, it's it's pride. We you know it's Pride Month, but it's the Pride March in in New York City. So um, you really couldn't end it with a better, more exciting way to celebrate. Um, also, wanted to call out today um there's a pride party in sandbox happening in the valley of belongings the people of crypto lab have put that on so if you are not in new york city or not in some sort of pride march but you want to be today is your day you can do that in the sandbox so just wanted to spread that that joy and cheer and celebration
0: that's awesome well what do you think (laughs) Libby? should we wrap it up
1: yeah, let's wrap it up. And please, if you enjoyed this, um, our producer says, you know, ask for reviews. So that's what we're doing. We don't feel comfortable doing it, but we're doing it. Um, so please give us a review or a shout. Um, ask us any questions that you want. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time.
0: Hey, Libby, have a great weekend, okay? This is America This Week from the Harris Poll. Libby Rodney and John Gersman. Have a great weekend, everybody.